From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello and welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We're honored that you're joining us today, excuse me, regardless whether you're listening live or to the archive of the show, I'm confident you'll be glad you joined us. Now, if you're listening live, you obviously see that we had a technical delay of almost 10 minutes, so my apologies, and we are hoping to get back on track here. Now, if you don't gain some new knowledge during this hour, we have a double the money back guarantee, so we'll refund double what you paid to listen. Now, during the show, we'll be focusing on retirement savings and pension plans and specifically focusing on the plans available in and currently introduced in the U.S. Now, when we originally scheduled to have our guest on in April, that was the 40th anniversary of passing ERISA. That's the E-R-I-S-A, Employee Retirement Income Security Act. Sounds pretty complicated, but that set set up the groundwork for private retirement plans like IRAs, 401Ks, so many people take advantage today. For our listeners not eligible for U.S. retirement and pension plans, I can assure you our topic is also very relevant to you. Many of the changes that we have that have uh, already taken place in European and South American countries appear to be harbingers of what's being considered in the U.S., or maybe more appropriately, their canaries in the coal mine. I've started a tradition of using a quote to set the stage for the show topic, so let me share one for today's show that I personally like. The American dream is for the poor to become rich, not to make the rich become poor. The quote is from yours truly, your radio show host, Ron Naraki. Now, for each of the Wealth DNA radio shows, we uh, try to assess if the topic will help at least some of our listeners live the American dream or have a positive impact on job creation, which seems to be one of the biggest needs in most countries around the world. When I refer to the American dream, I'm not only talking about the U.S. While I was living in Europe, I met many people living the American dream. The name was inspired by the free enterprise and the private investor support structure in the U.S. that's inspired the concept around the world. China has been a great example of success from adopting that free enterprise system, and their success was not due to the centralized control, which has been in place while China was in decline. I'm talking about an individual's ability, even if they are poor, to become rich through their wise use of their time and talent. During the show, you can assess whether some of the retirement savings and uh, plans, savings plans, I should say, being introduced in the U.S. will help people live the American dream. Now, let me share a brief story during the many years I worked and lived in the American dream in what we often refer to as New Europe. By New Europe, I'm referring to the 10 countries which were admitted to the EU on May 1st, 2004, just 10 years ago. Since I was living there at that time, running a joint venture, um, well, I would call it a venture capital fund. We had a few joint ventures in there, but venture capital fund. I remember the event vividly. Rotary Club, I belonged to in Budapest, Hungary, chartered a ship to leave the dock in Budapest late on April 30th and symbolically sail into the EU after midnight, May 1st. Later that year, on U.S. Election Day in 2004, another American, fluent in Polish, and I were invited by one of the national TV networks to discuss our views on the platforms and likely outcomes of the U.S. presidential election. And again, we're talking here 2004. My counterpart brought up President Bush's crazy idea to privatize part of Social Security and put more in the hands of individual beneficiaries. He criticized it, saying Americans weren't ready to take on that responsibility for their financial future. And yet we were on national TV in Poland, a country that had no financial markets from 1939 through its communist times. Those markets were just reopened 13 years earlier than that airing. For those of you who listened to our show with Stan Urban, you may recall his comment that the Warsaw Stock Exchange restarted its operations in the former communist headquarters on a street whose name is aptly translated New World. And just eight years after having financial markets, the government had successfully introduced a bold reform to partially privatize their national pensions, pension system. 
in order to boost, and here's the quote, in order to boost the long-term sustainability of the system. So my colleague's comment on this TV uh, network seemed totally absurd in that context. A country that had just reopened its stock market after being closed for 50 years had already introduced such a privatization in 1999, five years earlier. And he was saying the people in the U.S. who had active financial markets throughout their lives weren't ready to take the responsibility for their own financial future. Now, incidentally, Hungary also privatized a portion of their pension plans a few years earlier, and both countries modeled the concept and implementation based on the the, um, privatization uh, experience in Chile. And again, pension privatization had already been done in Chile. I'll keep those thoughts in mind as we talk about U.S. retirement and pension plans. Today is Monday, September 22, 2014. It's 9.17 a.m. in Arizona, and again, that's due to our technical delays. It's 12.17 p.m. on the East Coast, where our guest is, and 1817 in continental Europe. It's the only day ever like it. We'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. This show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Your local time may change, which it will, starting next month. Our show doesn't change its time. I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss some shows, like those I'd already mentioned, you want to re-listen to them, you can find them on the archive. Just go to wealthdna.us, where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archive. Our sponsor today is BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Incidentally, the U.S. equity markets, after another record high last week, are off to a negative start. Asia was down sharply overnight. Europe just ended down, and Brazil is down over 2%. The advantage of joining us for the live show is you get to ask questions or make comments either using the chat window beyond be, uh, below the radio player, and I'm going to check that it's there, uh, given our uh, rough start today. So I'm going to refresh here. Pete, hopefully you have the chat window up. But there's a ch- there should be a chat window under the radio player, and I will check that it's coming up here. Uh, the other is um, you can also call in. Now, if you're listening to the archive, don't try either of these. They won't work. On the other hand, if you listen to the archive, especially 10 or maybe 20 years from now, you'll know exactly what history has said. What are the results of what you hear from our guest today? Our guest today is uh, Teresa Gilarducci, Professor Teresa Gilarducci. We're discussing MIRA, GRAs, IRAs, 401ks, what a lot of alphabet soup, all of which we'll talk about and explain. Uh, Professor Gilarducci is the director of the Schwartz Economic Center for Economic Policy Analysis at the New School for Social Research. She is a labor economist and nationally recognized expert in... Oh, here we go. Chat window's up. I'm sorry. She is. I shouldn't do that while I'm uh, telling you about our guest, should I? She's a nationally recognized expert in retirement security, and we'll tell you more about that very shortly. Professor Gilarducci joined the new school in 2008 after 25 years as a professor of economics at the University of Notre Dame. Her most recent book, When I'm 64. Whenever I say that, I hear the Beatles advertising that book for her. By the way, that book proposes a comprehensive system of pension reform. Her previous books include Labor's Capital, the economics and politics of employer pensions, and portable pension plans for casual labor markets. Let's give Professor Gilarducci a warm radio welcome. Professor, I'm so glad you could join us today. Oh, thanks a lot. Um, I'm honored to be on this program that helps people accumulate wealth. Now, most people are accumulating wealth not to get rich, though that's a good shorthand way to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I think you want people to be secure and knowing they have enough money to retire. So I think you want them to be rich in money and retirement security, but also rich in time and control over their activities at the end of their working lives. Am I right about that? I'm Oh, very much so, very much so. I'm yeah. very much into uh, rich lifestyles as well as uh, trying to help. Uh, we'd love to have many of our listeners become millionaires, and that's part of our goal. And uh, then yeah, but, but also we'll sort of millionaires in, in terms of being able to really structure their time after 65 or 67. Um, that would make, make me feel rich, is that if I had enough to live on, um, with no money worries, but also a lot of time on, um, on my hands. Because that, I mean, that's what 
my work and the work in my team is about mm-hmm. is really getting people um, employed, you know, making sure that they work as long as they possibly want to work, but that they have the choice to retire when the time comes. Well, while, while we're on that, I gave a brief overview of your background. How do you introduce yourself to a new group of people? Right. I'm a professor. <laughs> I um, am paid by students um, most of the time at Notre Dame and also at the new school, and mm-hmm. I train graduate students to do high-quality, independent uh, research. I do, though, feel that I have an obligation um, to the country to be able to do research that means something. So when called upon, I will advise Congress, mayors, controllers, Mm -hmm. and also groups that uh, sponsor pension plans, whether they be employers like big trucking companies, big car companies, or whether they be unions with employers um, sponsoring that. I've also consulted with money managers and people who help manage the money of people who are accumulating assets to be rich. So I'm basically an independent um, professor, but I've been honored to be asked by many policymakers to give them advice. Well, and you know, while we're on that, let me just mention, I didn't mention it during the intro because we would uh, spend a fair amount of time on your background, <laughs> but I think it's well worth mentioning you are you serve as a trustee for two retiree, uh, retiree health care trusts. Yeah. One is the United Auto Workers for the big three, GM, Ford, and Chrysler. The other for the uh, steelworker retirees at Goodyear, and we're not talking Goodyear, uh, Arizona <laughs> here, uh, very close to my office, we're talking about the company. Uh, you were also yeah. twice appointed by President Clinton to serve on the Pension Benefit uh, Guarantee Corp Advisory Board, and that was from 1995-2007. That's quite a, quite a uh, uh, yeah. term there. And you're a member of the General Accounting Office Retirement Policy Advisory Panel since 2002. Sounds yeah. like you're viewed as an expert in pension yeah. funds and <laughs> in high places. Yeah, I'm an expert in not only pension funds, but for your listeners, um, they know that uh, whether or not you have health insurance, you know, a health insurance to supplement Medicare, or health insurance before um, you are eligible to Medicare is an important part of your wealth package. Medicare gives you about a, a million dollars worth of medical services for any retiree's life, mm-hmm. but people will spend more than a million dollars um, on average on their health care and health care needs. So a part of securing retirement is to making sure that that retirement um, that retirement health piece is covered as, as well. Um, do you want to talk about how the government, employers, and individuals work together or how we try to help them all work together to make sure people have a secure retirement? Well, definitely so, but one of the things I just want to remind our listeners uh, that when we originally had you scheduled, your husband, speaking of health care, happened to go in for emergency surgery. Now, I'm sure hoping everything worked out well and that uh, he's doing well and that uh, despite the interruption to our show, that uh, that, that important day uh, worked out well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry um, to have, um, having had to cancel at the last minute. I think people will appreciate that um, appendicitis doesn't happen conveniently in the <laughs> in the middle no. of the day. You know, it happens in the middle of the night. Um, but we were able to get to a, a good American hospital, and he was able to have surgery. And because he was working and had a good employer health care plan, you know, we walked away with only maybe about a hundred dollars. And people who don't have jobs um, mm-hmm. and maybe not have signed up for you know, for the um, for the health care plan, you know, can actually be faced with tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm, um, in my work, I'm really trying to make sure that people like my husband aren't set back, you know, by an emergency medical bill that would make them withdraw money from their 401k or make them stop contributing. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's an important point. Okay. Now, given your background, before we, we, we jump into some of the details, I'm, I'm sure listeners will want to learn more about you. What's the best website they can review to, uh, yeah. to find out a little bit about the work you're doing? Yeah, um, great. Um, they can go to my name, Teresa Gillarducci um, at, uh, oh, it's actually .com, sorry, it's .org, TeresaGillarducci.org. It's mm-hmm. real easy to find me on the Internet. I'm blessed with a very unique name. I'm I'm, That's true. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. Feel sorry for people called Mary Smith, you know, but but people oh, yeah, can R. find R. me pretty well. And also, my book uh, really does stand up. 
it, um, when I'm 64, the plot against pensions and the plan to save them. I think your listeners would get from that book kind of the state of retirement wealth that most people are, are at. I've had some, um, some congressional testimony on what's wrong with a 401k system. But I'd really like, I'd share your goals. I really wanted to help your listeners acquire enough money to retire on time and with adequate income. Okay, let me let me go through maybe one of the uh, recent announcements that's been that's been made. A couple of questions on that uh, before we jump into some of the uh, medical types of issues and yeah. uh, others. Is uh, GRAs one of your your ideas? Yeah. Is to have a guaranteed uh, retirement account and to have the the funds you know guaranteed and secure. Uh, explain to our listeners what a GRA is. Um, sure. So. The guaranteed retirement account idea is actually um, getting some some steam. About 10 states are moving um, to help people establish a guaranteed retirement account because Mm -hmm. the federal government hasn't quite got to it yet. But let me me empathize here with your listeners a a bit. So if your listeners are, are like most Americans, they're working, and about half of them have a 401k plan at work. The other half probably don't. Mm-hmm. Um, if your listeners are lucky, then you know, a, a greater percentage of them have a 401k. But, but Americans only half have an ability to save at work in a consistent fashion. And we all know that we're tempted um, by everything around us to spend money and having our employer take money out for our retirement savings before we see it is really the best way to accumulate those assets. Agreed. Um, so I'm concerned about the the people that don't have a way to save consistently um, f- you know, for retirement. Now, the IRA is supposed to take care of that, the individual mm-hmm. retirement account, the thing that you get at the bank, um, and they take you to a little room, and you talk to a brand-new graduate from some community college. Um, that will tell you what to invest in, but most people actually don't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So really, the way you save for retirement is at work. The GRA lets everybody uh, retire, um, save for their retirement. You don't have to wait for your employer to decide to offer a 401k. So everybody gets to work, and you pay your unemployment insurance tax, you pay your Social Security tax, and you pay under the GRA system about 2 or 3% of your income um, to your retirement account. And that money is saved for you, and it's administered. You can have a choice about where you want it administered, but I think most people okay. would go um, to a not-for-profit professional um, um, money manager. Mm-hmm. I'll stop there okay. and let you lead the way. Now, on that, uh, matter of fact, you know, in terms of big announcements, uh, we had the President's State of the Union address beginning of this yeah. year. He announced the creation of MIRAS, a very clever name, I love the name, for this new yeah. uh, new retirement savings plan that can, as I understand, can only be invested in the GRA. Tell us a little bit about MIRAS and mm-hmm. how they fit into this uh, uh, yeah. overall scheme. Well, the President um, and his advisors in the Treasury Department have been trying to institute a version of the GRAs for quite a mm-hmm. while and have waited for Congress's cooperation, and Congress just hasn't moved on that. So what they did was, within their purview as a as a regulator, um, try to figure out a way the President and the Department of Labor and the Treasury could do something for people without legislation. I'm telling you all that because it's a mm-hmm. very limited um, program. It gives the option of people that don't have an employer that sponsors a 401k the ability to to save into an individual retirement account. However, they would only be invested in treasury bonds, and when they reach $15,000, you would go into an individual retirement account. It's a step in the right direction. It acknowledges Mm -hmm. that most people don't have employers with 401ks, but there's a lot wrong with it, and I think we should leapfrog over that idea and just put in a basically a universal supplement to Social Security. That's really what I'm talking about, Ron, is mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we would supplement Social Security with individual accounts. They would be, pardon the word, mandatory, just like Social Security taxes are mandatory. Mm-hmm. But unlike taxes, you, every penny of that would be your own that you would get it when you needed it at retirement. And I'm going to help pay for it in my plan 
by not costing the Treasury any money, um, but also helping people at the very low incomes or middle incomes that may not have 2 or 3% of their pay to put towards their own savings. And that would be to change the tax code so that people would get a refundable tax credit for the money that they put into that account um, so that everybody would get about $600 towards their retirement account. That's technical. It's on my website. But mm-hmm. the idea here is a Social Security Plus account. Okay. Now you say it wouldn't cost anything, but that $600 tax credit clearly yeah. costs something. I know, but you know what? Um, this is we have. Uh, this is the real secret, and just five seconds will help mm-hmm. your listeners understand that the government spends a lot of money on people's private pensions, but they do it indirectly through the tax code. People who save now in a 401k get a tax deduction, mm-hmm. so that the more you save and the higher income you are, your marginal tax rate saves you that amount you would have put into taxes, but you now can put into your account. So if you're at the very tippy top of the income distribution, um, your tax rate is, what, 36%. You mm-hmm. get back from the government 36 cents for every dollar you put into your account. Now, that's good, but that's money spent by the federal government to people who really already would save. And so what I want to do is sort of ratchet that subsidy at the very top Give it to people who pay no income tax or who pay only a 15% tax um, and give them something from the federal government. And then the government spends in total the same amount they did before. It's just that the subsidies would be targeted um, to people who need the subsidies the most. So we've calculated that the people in the top 1% of taxpayers would lose about a thousand or two thousand dollars a year in the tax deduction, but forty percent of people at the bottom would get that six hundred dollars. But everybody would start saving for retirement, and you know what? It helps people at the top because then we won't be saddled with folks when they hit retirement and have to go on government programs. Okay, you so mentioned for it's example, just to help them save now. I understand the 401k, yeah. for example, that that you know the people that are able to put in more will get a bigger deduction that costs the government money. But you yeah. know, I look at the flip side, and because it's pre-tax dollars, and it's costing the government, as you said. And yet, when President Clinton and Obama needed more tax revenue, they made yeah. it easier to withdraw money from those IRAs and convert it yeah. to Roth IRAs to bring in more tax dollars. Yes. Since the amount of tax after those accounts grew dwarfs the tax savings, yeah. so did Clinton and Obama screw up? Yeah, well, you know what? I'm really glad to be a professor when I get asked this kind of question, right. because I, because you know politicians really care about getting elected and they want to do something to make the budget deficit look good while it's mm-hmm. on their watch. Now, sometimes that's a little cynical, and and all of our leaders, Republicans and Democrats, do also care sometimes, you know, for the long term benefit. But that move was really a budget move. Getting mm-hmm. people to pay taxes now rather than later really saved the day, you know, for the budgets now. I think that wasn't – it could have been worse. They could have allowed people to, to withdraw more money from their, from their retirement accounts. Um, so that – in the list of sins, you know, that's not a mortal sin. That's kind of a venial sin. I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I can what, see that. What yeah. is – but you pointed out the worst thing that we've screwed up on, and we really have to change it. Um, and that is, and I'm a professor, so I can say unpopular things. I don't have to get elected. We mm-hmm. really should limit people's with, uh, ability to withdraw money from their 401k. We're the only country on the planet that allows tax-favored money for retirement to be withdrawn before retirement. Now, we know that lots of people mm-hmm. need savings, you know, for emergencies, and they definitely should save for emergencies. But retirement savings is retirement savings. So I'm all in favor of cutting back um, loans and withdrawals from 401Ks um, because people need to protect their older selves. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You know, I, I can't disagree with you on that one. Let me, let me go back to the, to the Myras for a second, because I'm sure, sure a lot of our listeners are not you know, really familiar with yeah. them and clearly don't know as much as, as you do about yeah. what's been announced. And you said it's, it's limited. But as I understand yeah. uh, the announcement, it was, it was to contribute post-tax dollars, so it wasn't any tax deduction in that, but you would get this tax credit. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, it'd be like a Roth plan where you're not getting yeah. the tax deduction, but you are getting the, the uh, tax uh, Avoidance, I'll call it that, in the in the yeah. future. Now, I assume yeah. that's done because most of the people that are that would be targeted are at the zero percent tax bracket anyway. Yeah, that that's brilliant. Um, that's a very good um, analysis. And if anybody's listening here who's considering a, a Myra, I say go for it. You know, absolutely mm-hmm. do it. It's a convenient way to save for retirement. Um, it it beats a lot of the products that are out there and. Um, you should set one up. That's absolutely limited. As a public policy move, um, we look for ways to improve the Myra program, mm-hmm. but but go ahead and do it. Um, I, okay. I, I, I agree with you there. Okay. One of the limitations, though, another one that they should be aware of is, is I understand that over 30 years, all you can put in is like $15,000, which uh, is kind of uh, a you know what? Of, uh, coffee but that's in the future, the, I think. That's the average um, mm-hmm. wealth. For people in, um, you know, for 50% of the um, Americans who have any savings at all, $15,000 is what they've managed to accumulate um, in in their 50s. So $15,000 from nothing is a, is is substantial. It can help. I think the idea here is that you would accumulate $15,000 and then you would move it over to an IRA. May I please just tell people my advice? Sure. It's mm-hmm. to floss your teeth and to only invest in index funds. Now, I know you might have a different point of view, but for mm-hmm. most investors um, who aren't sophisticated or don't want to spend the time to be sophisticated, the best way to accumulate wealth is to not give it to money managers and fees. Um, okay. If you get an index wealth, you can actually save yourself 1% or 2% rate of return. So if you're going to go to an IRA, um, after you've accumulated in the Myra, it should be in um, it should be in index funds. Well, I know I you have a different point of view. Disagree. No, right. no, no, I can't fully okay. disagree. We're going to have John Bogle on, one of the biggest proponents of index funds, yeah, I'm the founder of, of index funds. Great yeah. guy, and uh, looking forward to getting That's him on. Great. I, had many, I had the opportunity to meet him many, many years ago in the airport, and uh, had a great, oh, great chat. But yeah, it's, it's just one of these, you know, small worlds when you when you know Pretty some lucky. of the, the right people. But you know, yeah. going back to that um, uh, limitation, you know, to me yeah. that if you look at a four percent withdrawal rate, which you know is kind of the general rule most people talk about, I yeah. particular believe in it. But let's say it's the four percent, so somebody could get an extra, let's say, fifty dollars a month from that account. That doesn't sound like very much. Much, uh, in yeah. our our attempt to live the American dream, it's not enough. Um, the idea is that it would whet your appetite for savings. Um, absolutely. Okay. So, so Ron, what do you tell people? How much do they need uh, to retire at sixty five, sixty seven? What do you tell people? Well, I, I really tell them based on uh, what their uh, you know their spending level is going to be. But if they use their their four uh, percent withdrawal rule, that's going to be a very uh, conservative way to look at it. They clearly can be pulling out more than that if they're investing properly. But uh, you know, my goal, literally, in this show is to get our listeners to be millionaires. And there's no reason they can't mm-hmm. if they do the right investment strategies. Uh, and index funds should be part of that. I, I don't disagree with you. I yeah, think yeah. It's a good, good no, safety net. Yeah, and I think both of us agree that the way you get to be a millionaire is to invest well, but you've got to yes. save. You've got to oh, save. Absolutely. So, so what we do um, is is advise people to make sure if they can do it at the very beginning of their careers um, to save um, 12% over their Social Security contribution of 14%, so try to get up to Mm -hmm. 25% that way. And if you're over 50, you add another 5%. Um, If you're over 55, you add another 10%. So I've I've had people who ask my advice, and they're maybe newly divorced women, and they're 50. I say get a budget live on half of what you earn, and save the rest, and they can catch up. Millionaires, that would be difficult, you know, for most people making, you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year, but at least they can supplement their Social Security and be live like a millionaire. 
Well, I somehow managed. So anyway, let me move to the uh, one last comment I wanted to make on the Myra, get your, your reaction. Well, it was strange, but I, I, I can see that it's clearly targeted to people that have you know minimal income and, and struggling to save. Yeah. Yeah. And yet the limit as to how much you're able, income limit, uh, for how much you can um, earn and still contribute to a Myra is actually higher than for a Roth IRA. I mean, that seemed backwards to me. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I actually didn't quite get that detail. Um, okay. Well, um I think I think they expect that they really want to encourage um they really want to encourage um savings. Most people them, don't save the maximum. You know how five, only 5% of people who save in a um in a 401k or IRA actually save the maximum. So mm-hmm. the maximum what, what we want to say is, is is mostly aspirant, but it probably isn't effective. Okay. Let me remind our listeners, you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. Our sponsor today is BI Solutions Corp., a real estate fund in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area. If you missed some of the prior shows, you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive on wealthdna.us. If you'd like to get an email reminder of the show, send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. And a reminder, during the show, we welcome you, and I will start paying more attention because I've been so intensely listening, but we do have a chat window under the uh, radio player. You can also put in your questions there. I'll recommend that because we... uh, because of our technical difficulties, I don't want to try to do phone calls. Uh, our topic today is MIRA, GRA, IRAs, 401Ks. Our guest is Professor T- Teresa Gillarducci, Director of the Schwartz Center for Economic Policy Analysis at the New School. Her most recent book, When on 64, proposes a comprehensive system of pension reform. Professor Gillarducci, tell us a little bit about that book, When I'm 64. I understand you wrote it in record time, and that's not the shortest <laughs> time ever, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, it takes a long time to write books. Just try it. Um, but it came out at the right time. It came out right when the we had the greatest uh, financial crash you know, since the Great Depression. And people's um, 401ks famously turned into 201ks. And Correct. And so the idea that people could just do it all on their own without some kind of guidance and help was, um, you know, was was called into question. You know, many people who invested in 401ks really underestimated how much their Social Security would give them, how much Medicare would mm-hmm. give them, and, and really thought the stock market would go, you know, to twenty-seven thousand. So, they. Um, um, there was a, a real sober reminder that it's a partnership between government programs, individual savings efforts, and also your employer plans. So that book, um, you know, laid out the kinds of victories we've had in letting people retire and ways to actually add to Social Security um, to 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 make sure that if you're middle or upper class when you were working, that you stay that way when you retire. And then if you're poor while you're working, you don't get much worse, you know, after you retire. Um, so let me let me just put some numbers on these government mm-hmm. programs. Okay. Um, everybody about at the age, if you're um, in a family and you're in your 30s and you've um, been working since your 20s, you have about $700,000 worth of insurance um, just because you're in Social Security. By the okay. time you retire, um, you don't have as many dependents, so you have about... Um, half a million dollars worth of Social Security wealth, um, depending upon your income, that's about average, and you have a million dollars worth of wealth from from Medicare. So one way to be a millionaire is to make sure that those programs are healthy and that they stay intact. Um, but that won't be enough um, to maintain what we all would consider a comfortable lifestyle. So you probably should have um, about uh, five times to ten times um, your your salary at the time of retirement just sitting mm-hmm. in a, a retirement account. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those kinds of numbers, and that's in the book, really tell you that the way we get rich in retirement is by layering our um, by by layering our sources of income, and we have to make sure that the government programs are our base and that they're secure. But you also need to have um, these other sources. Okay. Fair point. What were some of the key concepts you recommend in the book? Obviously, we've talked about a few, but I want yeah. to share with our listeners. What, are, yeah, the, what well, are the key things they're going to look for in that book? Well, I learned a lot from your, um, your upcoming guest, John Bogle, and that mm-hmm. was that you can lose a lot of money if you don't handle your 401ks um, very, very 
mindfully. Um, mm-hmm. that you better not take advice of brokers. People are just trying to sell you a product, and your employers really aren't that much help. So you, you have to have a balanced um, portfolio. You cannot withdraw money from your um, 401K and really expect to accumulate anything. I think we're, mm-hmm. we agree there. Um, and that we really need to have an automatic way to save along with our Social Security. So that's where that book describes the guaranteed retirement account or this kind of Social Security Plus um, idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, fair, fair points and uh, very, very true on the uh, 401Ks. Very often people don't manage them, and, and I'll mention a few statistics yeah. on that very shortly. Uh, you also conducted, and I don't know if this was in uh, with the book, and that's really part of my question, you conducted a survey mm-hmm. of workers, published a report, which I assume is one of the underpinnings of some of what is happening in the GRA and MRA and the MIRAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the key findings of that report? Uh, because most yeah. people would not be aware of it, and I'm going to now obviously trigger their, their curiosity okay. and get them out there to read the whole thing. But why don't you tell us some of the key findings? Yeah, well, the key findings is that half of the people don't have anything at all Mm -hmm. um, and that they need uh, an automatic way to save. The other half is that that pre-retirees, their average account balances of those who have it um, are, you know, are less than uh, $70,000. So Mm -hmm. if you... That's a dinner and a movie or a couple of um, dinner... uh, A couple of dinners and a movie's out, you know, per... um, you know, per month for the rest of your life. So that's not mm-hmm. um, quite enough. So right. the key findings is a big alarm bell that we are headed towards. We're headed towards a situation where people who are retiring are going to do worse than their parents or their grandparents. I mean, we've had this amazing success in the United States in making sure people had secure Social Security and Medicare, um, but also had a way through ERISA, who, that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. um, had some had some retirement account balances. And we did that all the way since we started doing that since the, de- um, the Depression. And with the advent of 401Ks and IRAs, we haven't done so well. And that's accumulated to uh, what most Americans view as a retirement crisis, where... The best advice people are getting, and it's not very good advice, is, boy, if you don't have enough, keep on working. But this is, a, this is right. an economy where uh, older workers are not the most desirable workers, and jobs are still scarce. So mm-hmm. the advice to save yourself when you're old is actually not that unrealistic, and we're seeing account balances of their retirees pretty low. That's my, that's my upshot, is that we really have a retirement crisis, one of those kind of slow-burning very costly crisis, that if we do something now, we could help mitigate. But every day we don't do something, it gets more expensive and it gets bigger. Okay. What was the genesis of that uh, that research? What triggered that? Was it an academic study that you had uh, triggered, or was it something commissioned yeah, I mean, by uh, some of the, the uh, trustee role you have or, or some of the uh, yeah, agency no, you know, work? It's kind of life experience. Um, I, I was always interested in in the way people secure their um, their financial future, maybe since my mother got a divorce when I was 11. You know, but I always I had worked on retirement issues um, 30 years ago when I was you know 19 and 20, and my fellow students made fun of me. They thought the big issues you know in economics was was inflation, <laughs> and, um, and so I just kind of plugged plugged out this idea that that everybody needs good work. Um, but they also need a period of time after work to be secure. I think I really love my grandmother, too, and I wanted to make um, sure that people were as comfortable as her. Um, so, it, you know, it com- that idea came from where a lot of professors get ideas. It comes from their life experience, and it, it comes from their expertise. Um, and in my case, it was an economist. And it's a perfect subject. It's about money. It's about security. It's about work. You know, it's a perfect subject for an economist. Okay. Now, if I were a typical journalist, and this is actually a concern to me, the way the journalists kind of work now in these 140-character sound bites they publish, uh, somebody might say, a journalist might say, 78% of surveyed workers prefer to have a government-guaranteed pension plan. Is that yeah. an accurate statement, or would that be rep- oh. misrepresenting the report? Oh, no, that is actually accurate. Um, that comes from a lot of um, surveys, not just mine, um, but the Gallup polls. Um, and if you if you actually just... Um, Google Gallup polls on retirement security, um, mm-hmm. most Americans know that they need a partner in savings for retirement, and they really want 
some portion of their retirement to be guaranteed. So um, 78%, you know, that, that number wiggles around, but it's, um, it's a very high majority. And that's why Congress is going to act. It's, it's a, a pressing issue for Americans and, and voters, and they won't be able to ignore that. Okay, so when you say they need a partner, I'm assuming you're you're endorsing the Wealth DNA Radio Show as a place that people should be coming <laughs> to uh, keep their keep their uh, mind sharp and and building their financial literacy. So I appreciate yeah, well, that. Yeah, you know what you're doing is you're you're uh, talking about a mindfulness about what you could do on your own, you and I'm also saying pay attention to Congress and make sure, you know, that Social Security system is is secure. Hey, Matt, we had a great show with Brian Ginter, who who actually suggested some of the things that could be done. They're not all that difficult. It's just, uh, you know, getting around to making some sort of decision in in the Congress uh, to make it happen. You know, I've never been polled by either Gallup or in in, in your work Mm -hmm. on on terms of, you know, what I'd want in my pension plan. Who was surveyed? Um, Yeah, well, it was a random sample of Americans. And and there are a lot of Americans. There's, what, 280 million of us who are adults. And it turns out just, you know, um, you know, a couple of thousand will give you an accurate um, sample. It's the magic of surveys. Um, so I haven't been surveyed either. You know, okay. we, we could ask each other. What about you? Do you? I'll ask you now. Do you mm-hmm. think that um, that people should have some source of guaranteed income when they retire? Sure. I, I definitely, as long as that's one of many options, I'm fine with that because then people do have exactly. that choice. I mean, clearly, I don't like being limited to Wall Street investments. Um, I don't yeah. tend to use guaranteed because I look at uh, what the uh, G Fund, for example, for the government has done. And it's done, uh, my statistics here show it's 2.16% uh, for the last five years, and uh, that doesn't give me the kind of returns I'm looking for. I can yep. get uh, anywhere from uh, double, triple, quadruple that, even uh, quintuple that, uh, by investing wisely. So to me, you know, it's it's fine to give people the option, but uh, to uh, what I'm hoping is that that somehow that's not read as well. We should just force everybody to what 78% said. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, no one should be forced in this. This is a the American system is um, a lot of variety um, of. Public efforts mm-hmm. and private and private choice. So I'm all for that. Um, and I will have to go teach my class. <laughs> okay. And, yes, I understand. Uh, we definitely took yeah. you longer than okay. we possibly because okay. of because our technical. T- so sure. What I might want to do is, if you wouldn't mind, we may try, although it's not easy uh, with your schedule, to possibly try to get you back on. You know what? It's not easy, but it's possible because we made I it happen. Know that. Right. You know okay. Um, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and I apologize it and, for our delays at the beginning. Yeah. Otherwise, we could have covered a lot more. But really appreciate it. Exactly. Hoping you will uh, rejoin us. And if any of your listeners want to ask me questions directly, please direct them to me. Okay. And I will repeat that uh, website here while you head off, and I'll do a little okay. bit of a summary of some of the things we were able Good. to cover. Yeah. Okay. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate that. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. And the. Um, Website. Uh, let me mention that because uh, because of our uh, needing to shorten this is uh, www.teresagillarducci.org. And let me make sure you have the spelling because the, the Teresa does not have an H, so it's T E R E S A. Gillarducci does have an H, so it's G H I L A R D U C C. I. But if you look up Teresa Gillarducci, she is, uh, as she said, a unique name, and therefore, uh, generally, uh, the Googles and the Bings and the Asks and the Yahoos uh, have to be equal opportunity um, uh, searcher here. The uh, All of them will, will say you probably mean uh, this spelling, so Teresa Gillarducci. And of course, if you just read our website, it tells you the spelling as well as uh, the posting of this show. Now, we've covered a lot of the aspects. We didn't cover nearly as much as I'd like to, and I would like to get her back on. We really have rescheduled this uh, this twice. Uh, once, uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning, was in April, and that was the uh, 40th anniversary of ERISA, so it was kind of like really perfect timing, and then, of course, the appendectomy. Now, her husband was lucky. It wasn't on a business trip the way I had it many years ago. But let me let me... Rather than summarizing some comments, let me share an update on the story I shared at the beginning. Certainly you know the results of my discussion with my colleague that I had on national TV in Poland the day of U.S. elections in 2004. President Bush was reelected but was not successful in implementing the Social Security reform he had proposed. 
So today the U.S. again faces the dilemma, as Professor Ghilarducci told us, of what politically acceptable solution there is to avoid Social Security benefits being cut 30% in the near future. We discussed that topic with Brian Ginter several months ago, and I highly recommend that show. There was another one that's interesting going back. That was one we had some technical difficulties where my microphone was dropping off. Uh, what you may not know is that the countries I mentioned, which privatized a portion of their national pension plans, namely uh, Hungary and Poland, and I'll add to that Bulgaria, a later EU entry in that new Europe, have since confiscated all or most of those private pension assets. Did you hear that? They started them up in 1999 and, uh, and later, and then confiscated all or most of those private pension assets since then. Hungary reversed their pension privatization in 2010, Poland end of last year, 2013. Now, why would they do that? You see, they were running very high deficits and sought a short-term solution. Do you see any parallels? Well, let's talk about Ireland had a similar confiscation. And even France, one of the original EU members, used funds earmarked for payout to employees from 2020 and beyond just to cover their funding needs until 2024. Now, what happens after 2024 is clearly not the current government's problem. They won't be elected anymore by then. So we commonly refer to that as kicking the can down the road. So great initiatives to privatize pension plans, and we wipe them out. Well, we've had 40 years since ERISA, 401ks, and um, IRAs. Could that be next on the horizon? Well, maybe if President Bush were successful in privatizing a portion of Social Security during his second term, the current administration just might be preparing for the confiscation of those funds. Let me share a quote from the Adam Smith Institute's blog that echoes my concern about the U.S. administration's plans. And it's fairly lengthy here, but I think it's, it's, it's very astute. People's retirement savings are a convenient source of revenue for governments that don't want to reduce spending or make privatizations. As most pension schemes in Europe are organized by the state, European ministers of finance have facilitated access to the savings accumulated there, and it is only logical that they try to hold, get a hold, excuse me, try to get a hold of this money for their own ends, and that's what's been done. Now, could the U.S. follow in Europe's footsteps? And rather than allowing MIRA participants to move their funds into Roth IRAs, as currently stated, they actually force you to convert your Roth IRA to invest in the GRA, earning 2 to 2.5% 2 per year, or maybe convert your IRA as well. Much of what I heard from our guest today appears to be consistent with the phrase that Professor Gillard has used several times, spreading the wealth. Our listeners who work very hard and save so they don't, um, live in poverty, they can live the American dream, just might find out that the American dream is being redefined. Rather than the poor having the opportunity to become rich, the government changes that definition to having the rich become poor. And that was the genesis of my quote. I'll recall, and recall what that was. The American dream is for the poor to become rich, not to make the rich become poor. Again, Ron Naraki. The business I've been um, helping build for the last 11 years has its mission to help clients and investors live the American dream. The goal of this show is to help 1 million people become millionaires. If there are no incentives for doing that, or if IRAs get confiscated, I certainly would shut down that business. And rather than creating jobs, the jobs we've created would disappear. I'm sure many investors would be disappointed. But at the same time, if they're being forced to use government GRAs, uh, then a uh, different story. They don't have a choice. She was a supporter of choice, and yet that's not what I'm seeing. Today we had an opportunity to hear a very different point of view of mine, and uh, as in the case with all our shows, you make the choice of how to proceed. Do you maximize the use of tax-deferred retirement plans while they're still available or not? Do you forward the link to this show to everyone you know who's saving investing for the retirement or not? Do you vote for people like the current administration who support government-run pensions? Or do you vote for people who support the idea of each of us being responsible for our own financial destiny? Now, certainly listeners to the archive of this show 10 or 20 years from now will find out the choice that the majority of people made and how they worked out for their financial futures. Now, at least until U.S. policy changes uh, take place, the objective of the Wealth DNA radio show is to help one million people become millionaires. If IRAs are confiscated or investment choices eliminated, this show may no longer be needed.
I certainly hope the financial services industry listens carefully to today's show and subsequent ones where we have Professor Gillard Ducci takes heed and lobbies hard to keep the current IRA and 401k plans in place. They have a lot to lose if they don't. Remember, one of the best ways to increase your wealth Tune into this show twice a month. We'll share the investment fundamentals. Some great ideas help diversify and grow your portfolio. Now, occasionally, we'll inform you of some of the proposals on the horizon that could jeopardize your wealth accumulation, your ability to find jobs, and your ability to live the American dream. Many thanks to BI Solutions Corp. for sponsoring today's show. They are a residential real estate fund based in the Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale area. Historical investor returns to investors far higher than the GRA being proposed. The next Wealth DNA Radio Show will be the second Monday of October, Monday, October 13th, 9 a.m. Arizona, same place, same time. Our guest will be Sharon Lecter. If that name does not strike a bell, listen carefully. She's a CPA who committed her life to financial literacy even before she co-authored books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and 14 other books with Robert Kiyosaki. We'll be kicking off a series of shows on financial literacy. As usual, we provide the lineup of guests and topics on WealthDNA.us, and there you'll find the archive of past shows. If you have some comments, questions, additional um, uh, suggestions on today's topic, if you haven't received my emails reminding you about this show, or send me an email to ron at WealthDNA.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing, and I sure hope you can maintain control of your retirement savings plans and your financial future. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 